Stryker has a word for us, and I think is one that is, the title even is provocative. Um, and is it already up? Who are you listening to? And you can tell by that thing, that's not some, you know, teen at 7-Eleven. That's supposed to mean somebody bad. We're listening to somebody bad at times. And so let's, uh, let's call Striker up. We're going to pray over him and uh, pray for an anointing on him and on us. Yeah, give him a welcome. Come on, let's do it. All right, are you already on? All right, Father, we speak grace over Striker to deliver the word that you put in his heart, even as you so often do as you tailored it in the last 24 hours to fit this time, this place, these people. God, we ask for the anointing that teaches us. We ask for the anointing on Stryker to deliver the word as you see fit in Jesus' name. Bless him, bless us, and those that will be impacted by our lives as we're transformed today by the living word in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. How's everyone doing today? Yeah, I was kind of hoping that uh, John wouldn't introduce me quite that way. Um, <laughs> and the reason's going to be pretty obvious once I get started. Um, yes, that picture is a, a, a very strong picture of who are we listening to. Um, oftentimes, um, when we, in the church, hear us getting ready to talk about who are you listening to, we immediately either think you're listening to God or you're listening to the adversary. And um, being that I don't like to give our adversary even one second of time on the podium, we're not going to talk about him today. We're going to talk about a far greater adversary today than even the adversary, which I'm going to suggest is ourselves. Yep. And in getting ready to prepare this, originally it was such a nice, cheerful thought. And um, as I started to, to develop this, it, it, it occurred to me that the person I'm going to be talking about today is not so much you people, but as opposed to myself. Um, very often you've heard us come up here and give testimony, so if, if perhaps more than a teaching, what you're going to hear today is a testimony uh, of a man who is called of God. There's just no confusion on that. Um, even when I'm confused, um, I have a pastor and the bishop who always reminds me that I am called, um, and John himself has reminded me of that. And it's so good when you're called and everything's just perfect, right? Everything's perfect. And then, <laughs> how many know that sometimes we're our own worst enemy? Yes. Oh, we love to blame. <laughs> but, you know, often we don't want to look in the mirror and say, who's really to blame? So before we get started, uh, the first question I would have is, how many people in here have been baptized? Just show your hands. Okay, so if your hand's up, um, you're called. Um, so... This whole message actually will pertain to you. <laughs> if your hand didn't come up, I saw who you were. We'll be coming to talk to you afterwards to help get that sorted out so, so that you too can know that you're called. Um, that's the first thought I want to leave to you is that we are all called to the ministry. There's not one single person in here who is disqualified for any reason not being called to the ministry. Even if you don't believe it or even if you don't understand it, it's just the facts according to the word of God. We are called. Um, God has specifically called us for a purpose, though. And uh, during the announcements, we heard that we were called to serve him, be in fellowship of him. We are called to God, not to be God, but called to him 
Literally. Literally, we are God's possession. As you come in the church today, maybe you thought you were just coming to church. But the kingdom reality is that God is present in here. And you're his possession. Whether you feel valuable or not, he counts you as extremely valuable. In the creation, he said trees were good. He said the animals were good. The mountains, this, the whole solar system were good. But us, he calls very good. So don't let yourself talk you out of that reality. God calls you very good. He doesn't say you're very good because you did this or you did that or you wore a nice blazer or, you, you know. Don't be fooled by the clothes we sometimes wear. That's not what makes me righteous. As a matter of fact, this is just out of respect. And I'm always trying to dress better than the bishop. And I thought I had him today with this jacket, and then he wore the shirt. And I just went, man. <laughs> Our first scripture today is Romans 14.8. And it says, For whether we live, we live unto the Lord. And whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. I love it. Does mean it just that is that the whole blanket statement for whether or not who you are and whether you're called is in that statement right there. You belong to God, it, it, and you don't even need to agree with that in order for that statement to be a fact. And that's ninety percent of our problems as Christians. We keep thinking that we're supposed to believe in this for God to respond to us, and it's backwards. He's he God already knows us. You don't need to go to God and say, you know, there's this little hidden thing I haven't told you. He, he already knows everything. He knows the beginning from the end. So our resistance sometimes to this is self-made. There is no evidence that there's anything we can do to get to the love of God. His love is first. And it's because whether we live or we die, we belong to the Lord. So God has chosen us. We are his possession. And not only do we belong to him, but he wants relationship and fellowship with us for his purpose. This is the second part, and I think this is where Christians struggle a lot. I know this has been my personal struggle. My personal struggle is not my salvation. That's, that's a legal agreement between the Lord and me, and it's done. It's sealed. The purpose is, why was I saved? I saw all the hands go up. Everybody's got their hands up in here saying they were baptized. So why? Why were you baptized? What was the purpose? You know, we could get into a legal thing about it, but I want to be more simple than that. You know, according to the word, we are saved for purpose. And I can guarantee you, the purpose wasn't to come to church on Sunday only. And this kind of really gets, I know when this was put on me, I remember very clearly the day that the church brought me forward and they sat me in a chair and they prayed over me and they called me into this. And I remember the bishop's wife getting me after the service, and I thought, this is going to be good. She's going to say something really encouraging and edifying to me. And she apologized. <laughs> she actually apologized. She says, we're sorry we're doing this to you. At the time, I was like, what the heck is she talking about? This is supposed to be like this joyful occasion, you know, I'm going to serve God. And, and, and what I've discovered is that um, <laughs> serving God is not quite what people think it is. And that's another big problem we have, is understanding how we serve God. A lot of Christians are trying to work this out on their own. They're trying to sort out their calling on their own. They're trying to figure out how they function with God on their own. They're trying to figure out, 
everything on their own as opposed to going to the Bible and reading the Bible and understanding what the Bible says about our calling. So Adam and Eve were tasked with tending the garden. When they sinned, the effect was immediate. They hid from God. God's response to them hiding was to seek them out. So the first thing we're going to talk about today is God seeking us out. It's not the other way around. I, I know so many people that are waiting to get their stuff together before they come to God. And I go, you really think that the God of the whole universe needs you to move before he comes and finds you? No. <laughs> Especially not if you consider the other side, which we've already talked about, that we are his possession. He wants us. If, if you want a Big Mac, do you stay at home and wait for McDonald's to open up in your kitchen? No, you've got to take some action. You've got to go out and call up. Maybe McDonald's is a bad choice, bad place to eat, I know. But my point there would be, like, if you want something, you go and get it. And we're always seeing how this, this image of us coming to God, us coming to God, us coming to God, us, us, us. And we don't see the reverse, which is God coming to us. He's, he's seeking us. How many people know that fact? How many people know the kingdom reality that that little stirring inside of you is not indigestion. That, that is actually something else. And many of us are in confusion over it. And because we don't read our Bibles, and because we don't go to church, and because we don't seek out pastors, we assume that what we're hearing is not really what we're hearing, and we ignore it. And then we wonder why we're in so much turmoil. And as we learn in the story of Adam and Eve, our response to not listening to God is to hide from him. It's what we do. You know, all of us know what I'm talking about. We all know that when God said, do this, and we don't do it, how many people know God says, well, that's okay, I'll give you another task? That's not God's system at all. God has, a ten God has to be the most tenacious force I have ever come across in regards to saying, you still haven't done what I asked you to do seven years ago. And he never forgets. And he loves me enough to give me grace and mercy to say, yeah, you go run over there all you want, but I'm, come, I'm going to come find you where you're hiding, and I'm going to remind you of what I asked you to do in the first place. So until you do it, I'm not leaving you alone. And our response is to hide. So in Genesis chapter 3, verses 8, in the garden, in the cool of the day, as Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden... We were separated from God. What separated us? We separated ourselves. Who sought us out? God sought us out. In verse 9, And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where are thou? This is God. God knows where they are. You know how come God knows where they are? Because he went and found them where they were. <laughs> they weren't hiding behind a rock. And he says, Jesus, I wonder where you guys are. No, he said, where are you? And like He's standing right beside them. You're in the bush hiding naked, right? He already knows all this. But what does he do? He calls them. And what's he doing? He's calling them back to their purpose. What was their purpose? To tend to the garden. To tend to the garden. What were they doing? They were hiding. They weren't tending to the garden. They were hiding. So God's question can almost be interpreted as like, you know, I'm in the garden. I don't really see you tending it. So where are you? Why aren't you doing what I asked you to do? Um... And then Adam, love Adam. In verse 10, he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, 
and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And first, when you're naked, you're exposed. And what was Adam really exposing here? That, that he wasn't doing what he was supposed to be doing. He, and, and he's afraid, not because of what God's going to do to him, because he knows that he's not doing what he was told to do. He's, he's, he's actually afraid of something he did. doesn't say, oh, I'm afraid of you, Lord. You're going to pull out the sword and cut me in half. No, he just says, I'm, I'm hiding from you out of shame. And I believe that a lot of us sitting in here today have the call of God on your life, and we're hiding from that calling. And a lot of us are coming in here, and we know the call is on us. We know it. We can feel it. And if you don't know that it's on you, we'll refer you back to the show of hands that you were baptized. And baptized for purpose. God, who already knew what had happened, and how do we know he already knows what's happened? Cain and Abel, story tells us clearly that God knows everything that's happening in the world. Because when he asks him, where's your brother? And he says, what am I, my brother's keeper? God says, his blood cries out to me from the ground. So he's not asking the question because he wants to know the answer. (laughs) He wants to know what our response is. See, many of us are sitting in here going, okay, God, I'm not sure if you called me. No, you're called. Let's get that thought right out of the way. So that's not the question. The question is, is why aren't you serving God? Why aren't we serving God? Better yet, I'll get it even in a more personal. Why am I not serving God? That's the real question. Why am I not doing it? Yeah, it's good that I come to church. I sit generally over there or over there or over there or over there or at the door. That's true. But is that serving God? Pastor's correct. I shared with him something, and now I'm not going to share anything more with him because apparently he listens. <laughs> I once told him, I said, that I sit at home some days and I get all these God thoughts and I write them out on paper and I develop lessons. And I've got a binder just full of this stuff at home. What's the point of that if they're not being shared with other people? These are God thoughts that God gives me to share with you people. And what do I do? I go to work. The world says that's a worthy occupation, you know. Society even looks and says, a successful businessman, oh yeah, that, that may be true, but you know, if, if I die, which I'm going to, and at my funeral, if they say to me he was a successful businessman, I have failed utterly in my calling to God. I will have failed utterly. So that, that better not be my calling, because if it is, it's a bad calling. Because the business world doesn't care how good you do, there's always somebody doing better than you. And that's, that's the rub of chasing money. It's not, it's not money that's the problem. It's the love of money. And that can divert us from what our purpose here is. And God's response to the sin is to ask the question which Michael shared. And he says, who told thee that thou was naked? And that's the whole point of the sermon is who's telling you this information? Who's giving you the information you're using to process how, what your calling is and whether or not you're even called. In our lives today, who are we listening to? Is it the God of creation or are we perhaps allowing ourselves to be deceived? Are we as Christians, people called to God for the purpose of serving God, perhaps like Adam and Eve, or are we hiding from our calling? Many of us are rejecting our calling 
or trying to avoid our calling. And we're going to talk about the very, in Bible college, the first hero of the Bible we learned about was Moses. And we learned about this man who was considered a hero of the Bible. Jesus considered him a great man. And yet his story is full of human things. Things that are human. That are so human that it's hard to ignore how they pertain to us sitting in this church thousands of years after the story. Um, We're going to go to Exodus chapter 3 verse 4. And the burning bush. I can find it in my Bible. You know, just before the service started, everything was going so good. And then you guys asked me to take communion, and then I lifted my head, and I broke my glasses. Oh. <laughs> and if people know anything about me, is I started out as a Christian with perfect eyesight, and somehow I've developed really poor eyesight over the last few years, to the point I can't even read now without my glasses. And now one of my lens keeps falling out. It's awesome. I love how God does that with us, right? So Exodus chapter 3, verse 4 says, And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and says, Moses, Moses, and he said, Here I am. So again, what we have is a simple burning bush story, right? Why does God create a burning bush? To get his attention. He wants Moses' attention. Moses has to actually respond to that burning bush. Bush is burning, He responds to it. Once he responds to it, then he has to respond and say, God calls to him, and then he says, here I am. So how many of us in this room are bypassing our burning bush? Like how many of us are doing that today? How many did this on the way into work? Uh, I can tell you that the burning bushes are everywhere. If you tune into them, they're everywhere. Maybe one of the ones you'll see is a very simple one that most of us overlook because in our haste to get our Starbucks or Tim Hortons to come to church and worship God, how many people did we pass along the way that God stirred a little feeling in us that said, what about him? What about her? What about that person, what about that person at the bus stop down the street that all of a sudden your eyes just turn to and you go, why am I looking at this person? And boy, they don't look very happy. But better get there early. I want a good seat. Many of us, that is our, our burning bush is not this big spectacular thing. Our burning bush is really simple, basic things that we're overlooking in our lives. And I would, don't even have enough time to even start sharing with you some of the stuff that God's put in my way that once I paid attention, it was just unbelievable, the stuff that's happened. Um, Is God speaking to you? And are you responding by saying, here I am, or are you turning away? In Exodus 3, verses 6, he says, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob and Moses. And he hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. You know, like, when you get the calling on your life, which you all have. What does Moses do once he realizes it's God calling him? I originally, when I read this, and I called the bishop, and we had a great conversation about this very piece. 
And my feeling is, is that one of the reasons maybe Moses was hiding his face because he knew what was coming. Maybe he realized, like, yeah, why is God, who he knew all about, suddenly is standing right here talking to me? Now, imagine if you had a face-to-face encounter with the living creator. How many of you would be jumping for joy? Most of us would be on our knees going, oh, I hope you don't remember that thing yesterday. (laughs) But most of us would not be jumping for joy going, sinless, blameless, let's go, let's party, right? No, Moses hides his face. And I think a lot of us, and I know for myself, when the calling gets on you and God gets on you, we hide. Just like Adam and Eve, what were they doing? Hiding. Many of us, I believe, are hiding from our calling. Well, we're serving. Yeah, we we don't mind doing the things that are right in front of us, right? But is that our calling? Is that our true calling? Are we doing this in our lives today, trying to disqualify ourselves from our calling based on our thoughts? You know, Moses didn't have any information to go on other than what he was thinking at that moment. And he chose to hide, right? And my first real question to the church is, who told you that? Who told you that? Who told you to hide from God? He's standing right in front of him. He's got a burning bush and he's talking to him out of a bush. You know, he says Moses turned to look because this was abnormal. He knows it's God. And then he hides. And is that what we do? Are we looking at a burning bush but looking away rather than responding to God's call? Exodus 3, verse 7, says, And the Lord says, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. Oh, man. Once Moses has responded to God, God lays out his people's needs. Notice that it does not say, and then God filled Moses and gave him incredible powers and incredible this, and you're going to do this. No, he lays out his purpose first. The purpose is, by reason of taskmaster, my people are suffering. I've heard their sorrow, and guess who I chose? You. He didn't say, you know, Moses, you were the most qualified person in all the world I've ever found, so I'm going to use you. No, he just says, you. Yeah, you. You're the one I called to do that job. And trust me, just get a mirror and look in the mirror and read that scripture to yourself and say, I'm the one he called to do that task. 100% he called you. 100% you're called to do something right now. All of us are. And the reason I have, I won't say trouble, but the reason this is so personal is I know the call that God put on my life. And I can speak from personal experience about not I don't want to say living up, but that's the only way I can say it. I know what it's like to hide from God. I know what it's like. It's, it's not pleasant. Exodus 3.10, we now are going to get into Moses' response to being called. And he calls him out to do his job, and what's Moses' first response to it? And Moses said unto God, who, this is verse 11, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? What was Moses seeing? The task. 
And that, well, how does he compare the task? He compares the task to his ability. And that's our first weakness, yeah. is seeing God wants you to start a Bible college. Oh, property is just so expensive. Oh, nobody's going to come. Oh, yeah, yeah. Instead of saying, no, what did he ask us to do? And Moses' response is perfect to this, right? Because he basically lays out every single person's rejection I've ever heard that's been called to the ministry. And I couldn't speak to much of this. The bishop can speak way more on this than I can. But trust me, there's a ton of people in this world who God has called who rejected themselves out of ministry because they looked at the task and they said, I can't do that. And, and God doesn't ask us to do anything that he hasn't already figured out how to do it. He's just asking you to do the impossible. So what is the impossible task we have in front of us? It's to trust God. That's the impossible task. The impossible task isn't the task. The impossible task is to trust God. And that is, well, that's how we, that's what this whole thing's about today. Um, Moses' response to his calling was to ask, who am I? If you have ever asked the question, who am I? Well, we need an authority on the subject now. And I want to tell you, I am not the authority on the subject. So we're going to allow the Bible to become our authority on our calling and answer Moses' questions. Moses' question is, who am I? Well, we need the Bible to answer that question. So we go for that to 1 Peter verses two, chapter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's who you are. So forget about the task. You first have to understand who you are. You were chosen. You were chosen is what it says. And you were called out of the darkness into the light. So who told you that? (laughs) Well, God did. God's who told you that. And that's who we should be listening to. Now Moses, being just like us, isn't satisfied with his first. He comes up with another one. Moses again questions God's calling on his life in verse 13. Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers has sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? And what shall I say unto them? You know, what a diabolical question. You got a burning bush and you got the Lord of all creation talking to you, and you say, Well, what are they going to say? <laughs> so, how many of you know God is real? Oh, He's real to me as I am. So, what's the problem with preaching that to people? Or is this what we do? I'm worried about what Claudia is going to say. Maybe she's going to say, well, that's fine for you, but it's not good for me. You know? Moses is trying really hard, and he's now worried about how people, what are the people going to say about this, right? Well, who do we tell people that God is? Oh, in here, it's easy for us to talk about God. I'm not talking about in here now. I'm talking about out there. That's the mission field is out this door. When we go out in the mission field after this service, who are we telling people that God is? 
That's exactly the question Moses is asking God. Who do I tell him you are? Well, God has an answer for that too. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 11. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's the answer. Go out and confess to everybody. Let everybody know the good news. That we have a Savior. That we have a personal Savior that is working and affecting us in our lives. Right? We are the message. We are literally the living message of Jesus Christ. Right? We are the burning bush. Like Next time you think you're not called, we already established you are called. And we established how God gets his attention is by an activity. Maybe you're supposed to be that activity. Maybe you're supposed to be a burning bush for somebody and instead we're putting a little cover over our fire and saying, eh, I'm worried about what they're going to think about the message. I have. And God needed to leave me alone until we saved them. And we did. And it was miraculous. And it's a story for another day. Um, is this our response to people when they ask us about our faith? And who told us that? Well, God did. I love that, that God tells us that's our response to people. But Moses isn't done. In Exodus 4, verses 1, And Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice, for they will say, The Lord has not appeared unto thee. Moses' next argument about his calling was that the people will not believe him or that God did not send him. Are we afraid of people's response to our calling? I was. Terrified. I remember it clear as day, too. Um, the bishop said to me one day, I was attending a Bible study. It was going along fabulous. I was enjoying being in the church. And then he said to me, yeah, next week in the Bible college, when it starts, you're going to teach Old Testament survey. Pardon? What is a survey? What is the Old Testament? And how do you do that? And uh, I remember saying to myself, he's wrong. (laughs) He's confused. He's getting old. And he's obviously not thinking clearly anymore. And (laughs) then I went home and said, maybe I should start reading the Old Testament and got about halfway through the first chapter of Genesis. And I went, how am I supposed to present this to anybody? Do you know how much, and I almost called the bishop and said, do you know how much information is in just Genesis? Do you have any idea how hard that is to summarize that? And apparently he did. And uh, I would go through Bible college teaching a summary on every single chapter of the Bible. And I'll tell you quickly how I had to do it. Um, I don't, my brain doesn't quite work right anymore. And uh, there's reasons for that. And I don't retain information like most people. So if I don't write it down, I don't, I don't remember it. So I wrote out a summary of the entire Bible line by line to get a basic understanding of it. And it took two and a half years. And then I had a basic understanding. And when I go back and look at that, I go, man, like, how did I become so inspired? The task was impossible. But then I said, I'd do the task. And then what happens? God quickens it right away and says, this is how you're going to do it. You're going to labor for me. And this is how you're going to do it. And all of a sudden, I'm teaching at a Bible college. And I don't even know what I'm, I would like to say I don't even know what I'm teaching, but that's not true. 
I did know what I was teaching. And I think we did well at that. And I think people really responded. Um, But 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, is the response to how people are going to receive our calling. And, And it says, Study to show thyselves approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. How you receive me is none of my business. What's my business is when I get a word from God that I study to show myself approved to God, not ashamed to God to stand up in front of you and deliver the word of God. That's between me and God. And I'll leave it up to you people and how God deals with you on this. That's a big part of being in the ministry is understanding this thing is not about me and you. It's about what God's asked me to do and how I'm doing what he's asked me to do. And again, I ask this beautiful question, who told you that? God did. God told you to study to show yourself approved. That's God saying that. We are preparing ourselves for the ministry or are we worried about what people think? If you worry about what people think about you being a Christian, you're stuck in quicksand. You're stuck. You're, just, you're not going to go anywhere. If, but you've got to get past that point in the ministry to start to understand that we serve a living God who's called us to purpose to be in fellowship with him and he's putting tasks on our lives to complete them and God is the one who removes the barriers that are in our way. And until we really get that really deep in us, it starts to be, well, maybe the bishop won't like the scriptures I chose and maybe I should change them. I once worried about that. I once was ready to preach in church and I worried about what the bishop was going to think about what I preached. And then I, and then I remember calling somebody about it and they said, are you serious? Do you know how few people will prepare themselves to stand up in front of a room full of basically strange people and preach the word of God? And I was like, uh, lots? And they said, no, very few. And I went, oh, maybe I should just do what God's asked me to do and stop worrying about what he thinks. And now I worry not about what he thinks, but I worry about getting his help to fulfill my calling in my life. If I did it the other way, if I was always worried about the bishop's approval or John's approval or anybody's approval in here, I wouldn't do nothing. Instead, how about I ask the people in here to help me do what I'm supposed to be doing? And I did this week. I called several people in here to help me with this this week, and they were very gracious. And one person in here actually called me having a troubled time and actually shaped the whole direction of this message. So good when we rely on God to do it, not ourselves, right? But good old Moses, he's not done yet. I like Moses. <laughs> In verse 10, And Moses said unto the Lord, O my Lord, I am not elegant, nor herefore, nor since thou hast spoken unto my servant, but I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. So now Moses is saying, Okay, you're not leaving me alone. <laughs> so now I'm going to say I'm not, I'm not personally going to be received because of the way I am. And trust me, like, I, I find it humorous that you guys got me up here sharing this. If you knew my past, you, it's pretty funny, actually. Um, I come from a world that, you know, I should have been in prison. And, and I have been in jail. And um, I, I minister to people on the streets based primarily on the fact that I know what that's like to be addicted to substances and to ruin your life and destroy it and to be saved by God. And I always thought that 
God saving me from my drug abuse was his calling on my life, and I have since found that I was very wrong. He only got that little annoyance out of the way so that I'd be useful to him in other areas. And once I understood that, oh boy, it's been, it's been a lot of fun. I'm laughing about that because I'm thinking about your wife saying, I'm sorry. <laughs> Moses' final protest was based on his ability. And are we shying away from the ministry because we don't see ourselves as talented? Like, talent is not what gets you anywhere. We did a class once on this in Bible college, and, and the thing with talent is, is if that's what you're going to rely on, that's what you're going to fall on. Trust me on this. If you think you're a talented speaker, so you should get up and publicly speak because of your talent doing this, then that's what you're going to fail at. There just seems to be something in us that, that says, I have to be ability-driven, and yet it's not ability because Moses didn't, was not qualified. He didn't have the ability the only way that Moses was going to be able to, to fill the calling put on his life was if he relied on God. Yeah. Philippians chapter 4 verses 13 has an answer about our abilities. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. How perfect is that word strengthen? Why would you need to be strengthened unless you were weak? It's the most beautiful thing in the world. I don't need Jesus if I'm strong. I need him because I'm weak. So when that calling is on your life and you go, oh, but I'm weak. Oh, yeah, that's right. Of course I'm weak. That's why I need Jesus as my Savior because without him, I can't do anything. And anything I can do on my own isn't probably what God wants me to do. And Acts uh, chapter 1, verses 8, but ye shall receive power after that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witness unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Amen. Here we are thinking, yeah, you know, God saved me to do this little thing or that, and then God's vision is to the whole world? Are you kidding me? Me? Maybe. God hasn't fully revealed where he wants me, but I can tell you it's, it's, it's a lot bigger than I ever thought it was. Yeah. And again, my thought on this constantly is, who told us that? God did. God told you you were going to do this to the whole world. God told you that he would strengthen you. God says you'll receive his power. It doesn't say that I said it, it's that God says it. The Bible offers us very clear examples of our calling. So my final thoughts on this issue is stop listening to yourself and let God answer our questions. And the simple questions that everybody in here is going to answer when you realize you're called is, first off, who am I? Second one is, who is God? The third one is, what do I actually believe? And the last one is, where does my ability come from? Once you can answer those four questions, which I got good news, I just answered them for you. I did all the research for you. Isn't that nice? So now everybody here knows, knows who they are. They know who God is. They know what to believe. And they know where our ability comes from. So you're all called, which is good news. It's time to buckle down and do God's will. God bless everybody. Amen. Thank you, Stryker.
Let's do this. Let's respond. Whenever the word comes, it's always good to make a response, right? Because if we don't, by this time tomorrow, we'll remember probably only a fraction of what was spoken. So let's pray for a second. Open your heart. Because God is listening. God is seeing each of us. He knows that we are resistant a lot of times, whether because of laziness, because of fear, because of distraction, whatever it is. God, we want to hear you speak to us. And would you do something in us today by the Holy Spirit where you would lessen our uh, tendency to resist and to just um, push aside what you say, whether it's because of fear or whether it's because of uh, unbelief that you couldn't possibly want to use us in that kind of a significant way or whatever it is. God, let's just answer like Moses right now and just say, God, here I am. Go ahead and speak it out of your mouth. Just say, God, here I am. I'm willing to hear you. I'm willing to be used by you. I need to be filled up with your Holy Spirit. God, would you bring clarity to me today regarding the call of God on my life? I pray that, Father, on each one here in Jesus' name. I want to just say, if you're here today, while we're just in this sort of place of prayer, if you're here today and you've never yielded your life to Christ, you might think, you know, oh, there's some encouraging things in there and there are some things in there that, you know, I can relate to in that. But if you've never said, Jesus, I realize that you died on the cross for my sins so I could be a son of God or a daughter of God. That's what he did for you, as we spoke earlier. Today is the time to respond so that you're not just hearing something about a call of God and it seems like, you know, a bridge too far. You're concerned about, I, you know, I don't even know who he is, but I want to respond to him. This is your opportunity. If you've never responded to Jesus and said, Jesus, I want to accept the forgiveness that you died to give me. And the sonship or the place in God's household that that forgiveness opens for me. I want to respond today. If that's you, I want you to just put your hand up for just a second. And I want to pray for you. Good. Okay. Let me just... Lead, let's just continue, just, just bow our heads. And I want everybody to pray this and for somebody specific and for those, even if you didn't raise your hand, but you recognize you need this, everybody just pray this with me right, right now. Just say, God, thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for the cross where sin was dealt with decisively. Thank you for the resurrection where Jesus defeated death. God, I want to yield my life to you. I want the forgiveness of the cross. I want acceptance into the family of God. 
as your child. And I receive today by faith in your promise that whoever believes in him and whoever confesses Jesus as Lord shall be saved. I confess Jesus as Lord today and put my full faith in him. Thank you for inclusion in the family of God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. God, we thank you. This is a good day to be together. We thank you for what you've done so far and what you have in mind for us now. For the remainder of this day and this week ahead of us, I pray, Father God, over your people in this room today. The Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine on you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.